Kane is in the building. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another season of the 3P Podcast. This is our ninth season, the first episode, obviously. If this is your first time listening, I am your host, Josh Fromwitz, and I am delighted to be joined by my other co-hosts. TJ Hummel. Stephen Bonazzo. And Alex Castle. We got another great show for all you listeners. Very football heavy as we got playoffs this weekend. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Super Wild Card Weekend. But first, we're going to dive into the extension of what was a Black Monday, basically the entire week. We have eight coaching head coaching vacancies, including a major uh, job opening in the college football world. So we'll definitely uh, dive into that. So I want to get your initial reaction, boys. Start off with Stevie. Uh there was a lot of speculation uh, about some of these moves, like uh, Bill Belichick uh, parting ways with the New England Patriots. But then we also saw that Pete Carroll was stepping away. That was definitely, that caught me by surprise. But then the biggest curveball of them all was Nick Saban retiring. I mean, it makes sense. He's 72 years old, accomplished a lot. But for him to go out the way he did, I, did not, I didn't expect him to go out uh retire after the loss to Michigan last weekend. So that one was a very surprising move for me. So I want to get your initial thoughts on uh all three, Bill Belichick, uh Pete Carroll and Nick Saban, whichever way you wanna tackle. Yeah no I'll I'll uh I'll do in my own little special order. I'll start you know I'll start off with probably I'll start off with Nick Saban, um the most surprising one. When so my brother and I we were cooking dinner when he's like he said Nick Saban retired and I didn't even hear him like clearly because I was not expecting to hear that, um, and then I got the the notification too that said it, but I'll tell you why he retired. I mean I think he already had an interview and he said you know like we said his age, um, and like he said his age started to become a factor where you know people wanted him to promise him staying for another couple of years, five years. And, you know, think in five years, dude's going to be almost 80. You know, that's like 72 years old coaching football, especially at a level like that, at a school like that, expecting with the expectations they have. That's a lot on the plate. Um, and I think what really did it is the new landscape of college football. If it was still the old landscape of college football where he was used to for many years, I think he would be coaching for at least another couple of years or maybe waited until he won again and then went out on top. But the way the transfer portal is, the NIL, and all this constant change, I mean, you have to now, like, listen, he could still recruit well, but just to keep guys on the team is a whole nother battle. And I think he just doesn't have the energy to do it. Um you know, he did admit that this season was grueling and was a grind for him, um, as I'm sure for any coach. But imagine 
you know, a lot of these coaches are, you know, I mean, how old is Dan Lanning? Dude's got to be in his like 30s. And then look at Nick Saban. So that's 40 years Nick Saban's gone on a guy like him. Even Kirby Smart's got to be in his like 50s, I would imagine. Um, there's still another 20 years. Like Nick Saban's got quite a few years. And he's been coaching for a long time but from the NFL to college. So to me, it came as a surprise because, like, I think everyone agrees. Like, how do you go out like that after a loss like that to Michigan? But he he probably knows, like, if he, that, man, this season was tough. And I don't know if I can keep doing it. And, you know, like a lot of – I'm sure a lot of officials at Alabama and players and other coaches probably were like, yo, like, if I'm going to continue coaching here or if I'm going to commit to you, are you going to stay? And if he can't make that promise, then, you know, maybe it is time. So, listen, yeah, maybe he didn't go out the way he wants to, but not everyone goes out on top. I think the only one of the only ones that went out on top that I clearly remember was Peyton Manning after he won the Super Bowl 50 with the Broncos. But a lot of other guys really kind of end on a sour note. Um, you know, like, like Jeter, like the Yankees were on a tough time when he retired. Um trying to think like some NBA guys like, you know, um, Jordan, you know, he was playing with the Wizards. Um, granted, he already retired once, but like a lot of these guys don't end right on top. So, but listen, he, the, what he's accomplished, you can't knock that. I mean, seven championships, one with LSU, six at Alabama. Um, just, I mean, he really, Alabama was already an established program, but he just really like put them right up there with Michigan and all these other schools. So um, hats off to him. I hope he enjoys retirement. Now going to Pete Carroll because same kind of thing. I mean, Pete Carroll's old and um, and he's still been doing well with him. I think same thing. Maybe he just felt like, I don't know how much more I can do with this. I think he still, because I think he's going to move into a front office role with the team. So it seems like he still wants to be part of the team. Like it probably killed him to step down. But again, his age is a factor. Like when you get to that point and coaching in the NFL, coaching in college, like these are high levels where that job is like year round, you know, um, especially now, like, all right, so they don't make playoffs, but now the scouting for the draft and free agency and all that, like it doesn't really end. So when you reach that age, your body just doesn't have the same um, energy. So, and that, that, that division, I mean, the you know, NFC West, like, the Niners, Kyle Shanahan's young. They're going to be good for many years. So that's going to be a challenge. The Rams with McVay, same thing. Um, I mean, all right, they had that one down year, but now this year they're back right into the playoffs. Um, the Cardinals, they're still got a ways to go. But either way, there's a lot of young coaches in that division with a lot of good talent. So for him to keep up with that, I think is a challenge. So I think that's why he's stepping down and, and I, but I think he has so much respect for that franchise that he doesn't want to set them back. So that's why I think he'll remain with them, but he'll get someone in there now with while this group still has a core group to win. Um, but then obviously moving over to Belichick, I think we all have that, we all sense that feeling that this was it um, all year round and some of the reports that came out. And if you just saw, don't mind my dog, but if you saw, the way his face is. And I mean, granted, he's always had the same kind of expressions, but it just looked like this was the end. And I think it was the right time. And same thing with him. 
kind of like talking about how does Saban go out with Alabama like that. But look at Bill for the amount of times he's won going off in a season where they finished with what four wins with a number three overall pick. Like that's not what all his years in New England were like. Most of his years were he was hoisting up either Lombardi Trophy or he, you know, they they were in the playoffs. They were playing, you know, this weekend. Um, but it's just the way it is. The like the story always flips. Um, it always has to come to an end of an era. It seems like for him though, he still wants to coach. Even though same thing, he's right up there for age two, but he still wants to coach. Now whether that's he gets another head coaching gig or maybe a team brings him on as a defensive coordinator or another kind of small like, um, like assist assistant job. I don't know. Um, I'm sure he will get head coaching looks. I do know Washington already said they don't want him, but I'm sure teams will want Bill Belichick. Um, but either way, it's just crazy that three guys of that like prominent stature in their respective coaching on uh, their schools or teams, the leagues, like just left boom, like within um, a small span of time. Like it wasn't even a full 24 hours. It was like Pete Carroll was like, in the afternoon, Nick Saban was in the evening, and then Belichick was like this morning. So, um, but I guess everything comes in threes, they say, and I guess that's it. So, either way, wherever these guys end up, whether it's retirement like Saban, a front office job possibly like Carroll, or another head coaching gig for Belichick, um, it will be weird to not see them in an Alabama Seahawks Patriots gear on their sidelines. But either way, um, I mean, you can't knock them for you got to respect and appreciate what they did, whether, you know, obviously we're not fans of those schools and teams, but that was greatness right in front of our eyes. And we got to appreciate greatness when, um, when we had the chance. So good luck to those gentlemen and uh, definitely gave us great uh, content to start the new year off a new season. Yeah, it was definitely quite the bombshell that was dropped on us. Basically, like you said, not even 24 hours worth. You had uh, the, those three big stories. So, Counselor TJ, I want to turn to you because this whole season kind of seemed like a, a farewell tour for uh, Bill Belichick with the Patriots, at least. And, yeah, he's probably going to go coach somewhere else, but this whole season seemed like, yeah, this was it. All signs are pointing to uh, both parties moving on one way or another, whether it's him being fired, whether it's him uh, mutually parting ways whatever and that's what it ended up being but the p carroll one really took me aback because i did not see that one coming I, I don't think there were any reports hinting at him possibly being done i, I think there was a report actually that said uh that that came out a couple of days before saying that he's not slowing down he's and the he feels the, the healthiest that he's been he feels like he can keep going for a couple more years so now this comes out and now he's stepping down as a head coach. He might go into front office. So what are your thoughts uh, that uh, on, on Pete Carroll stepping down and what Seattle's going to be able to do, what Seattle's going to look to do going forward to replace him? Because that's a, that's some big shoes to fill. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> when I looked at Seattle going into this season, especially with drafting um, JSN and was Witherspoon this draft or the draft before he was this draft. So 
those are two big prospects right there. And kind of, I have a different opinion um, on their outlook in the division than, than you, Stevie. Frankly, I really liked Seattle going into the season. I really liked their offense, adding JSN into that um, receiving core. When Kenneth Walker is healthy, he's a great running back. Gino was coming af- coming off of comeback player of the year. Plus, they got some nice pieces on defense. Julian Love had a fantastic season. They added, they added uh, Leonard Williams in at the trade deadline, and he actually made a bigger impact than people might want to admit. So I really thought that Seattle was turning it around. And the fact that there was no buzz, no rumors about this, is really a shock. And you know what? Maybe what it really comes down to is, yeah, you know, what I'm saying is they have all these young pieces going for them and all this talent. But then you maybe do have to go back to Stevie's point as well. They still have the 49ers to worry about. They still have Sean McVay to worry about, who is arguably the best coach in all of football. So maybe Pete Carroll really is at that point where he's like, I'm just not going to continue to put my energy into what it is being a coach and go through all of this day-to-day development practice, you know, all, all of the responsibilities that come with coaching, but he still wants to be involved with the team. That's the only thing I could think of because it's not like the Patriots where shit, they're in a total, total rebuild. I really do think Seattle is on the come up. So the only thing I could think of is, is that Pete Carroll doesn't want to stick around and chance having to wait another three to four years before Seattle really hits that point. And maybe it's more of a selfless thing where he's like, I love this organization so much that I don't want to be that guy to hold them back. And I want to allow this organization to bring in someone fresh who will be ready to continue to help take the next steps to bring this team to where it could be. So that that's really the only thing that I could think of because, you know, what was it this year, last year, there was that video of him running routes during practice and catching the ball and throwing it a, the ball around. You know, I don't think he's as drained as someone like Nick Saban is who, you know, I was watching a, a video earlier today and it really does sound like the dude is burnt out from football. So I don't think that's the same with Pete Carroll. I just think he's ready to take on a new uh, role in the chapter of his football career. Now, who's to say that he won't take on another coaching role? Maybe that's just me being a little hopeful because I do like Pete Carroll and seeing what he could do with another team. But yeah, this this was, out of all of the coaching changes that happened, this was probably one of the most, if not the most shocking, um, just because of what we've really seen the Seattle front office do the last few years. And and they really, like, they finished with a winning record, no? Like, they didn't make the playoffs, but they were 9-8. and eight. So I, I think Pete's just ready to... Uh, hand the keys over to someone else. That's what it really boils down to. So I want to play devil's advocate with that for a little bit with, with you, TJ. Uh, Pete Carroll established a culture in Seattle and we saw what 
he's done with Geno Smith the last two years and what their offense looks like when they're fully healthy with guys like Kenneth Walker, uh, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Castle Imagine, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. Their defense looks good. They have the stud cornerback, Devon Witherspoon, uh, Julian Love at safety. Leonard Williams looked good this year. Bobby Wagner they brought back. He led the league in tackles, I think, for the fourth time in his career, maybe. Um, so their team looked good, and they were close to making the playoffs, and at one point it looked like they were locked to make the playoffs, and then the Rams jumped them for that final wild card, wild card spot. Do you think bringing in a, an outside voice, an outside coach, could stunt the growth of some of these guys like a Smith, Smith and Jigba taking that second year leap or Kenneth Walker, some of these other younger guys. Do you think bringing in someone from the outside might hurt this Seattle team trying to take that next step going forward? Or do you think that's what this team needs is a fresh voice? I, I think personally it can go both ways. Now, Pete Carroll spent the last X amount of years making this this championship culture that that is in Seattle at this point. They haven't won a championship in in a few years, but he was able to bring the first championship back to the city. Um, the Legion of Boom, Russ on a on a rookie deal, like he he did the most with what he had. Now, with him being an advisor, it's it's not like he's giving up complete control of the team. Like he's still going to be that, that voice of, of reason of logic, uh, trying to implement his, his culture. Now, I think that can differ if they bring in an outside, an outside coach, someone who isn't from the organization, someone who could be from the NCAA, someone who's an NFL established coach, so on and so forth. I think it all depends on who the signing is and if they can mesh with Pete Carroll. Cause I feel like Pete Carroll has a lot of, a lot of say now that he's no longer the head coach that he's, he's an advisor, but I still feel like they're going to go to him in terms of who they want to draft, what schemes they want to run just because he's that kind of a football mind, you know, now, Will it, it, it like, I think, I, I think at the end of the day, it all depends on, on who they sign. If it's, if it's a like-minded guy like Pete Carroll, I think they're going to mesh beautifully and they're going to make this team a championship caliber team within the next handful of seasons. Now, if they bring in somebody who differs completely from Pete Carroll, I feel that could ruffle some feathers, no pun intended. Um, in terms of how they want to run their team, if they're going to give 100% of the reins to their new hire, which I would think they would because they want their new coach to take control of the new team. But it, it kind of depends on at least how I see it. If Pete Carroll remains as like a high super, like a super high up front office advisor to the team, I think he's going to have a lot of still have a lot more input than what people think. And I personally have like a, a sneaking suspicion that he's going to be one of the people that 
runs the interviews for head coaching searches and he's going to be the guy that says, yeah, we should get him or no, we shouldn't get him because he differs from X, Y, and Z. I, I think the, I think the, I think the goal for them is to get a like-minded Pete Carroll, but not a Pete Carroll, if that makes sense. Someone younger, I assume someone with more energy, even though it seemed like Pete Carroll was full yeah. of energy. Yeah, you know, I know I know I know he's full of energy going out catching passes, running routes, th- slinging the rock like he's 30 years old again. But it, it it needs to be somebody younger, obviously. Who that is, I don't know. But to end my point, like I said before, it's got to be somebody who's like-minded like a Pete Carroll, but not being a Pete Carroll. Okay. I'm curious to see who that will be as well. If it, if there is someone from the outside or if they go with promoting one of their coordinators, whether special teams, defense, offense will remain to be seen. But now I want to talk about someone who was promoted from being a coordinator to an interim head coach and possibly getting that interim label taken off or ending up somewhere else. And that's Antonio Pierce, interim head coach. Well, I guess now free agent head free agent coach. Uh, he was what he was with Vegas, but he's been linked to to take uh, job offers from the giants. I think at D, right. The giants are interested at DC. Tennessee is interested, but was that head coach? And I'm sure Vegas, they'll probably be interested for head coach. So, Castle, we were talking about this a little bit. You were raving about him. You want the former giant legend, the former Super Bowl champ to come back home. But you see these other uh, teams offering head coaching offers. Does that worry you a bit? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, I feel that he's probably going to stay with Vegas. I think that, I mean, even though I'm not a fan of him at all as an owner, I think Mark Davis really has to look at the talent on the team that is advocating for him. Look at what he did when Josh McDaniels left and really just look at what this guy's knowledge of the game is. I mean, yeah, he was doing nothing with the with the offense, but that doesn't mean he hasn't had a lot of experience with different styles of coaching, playing, so on and so forth. So, listen, I would love if the Giants were able to interview him for D.C. I think bringing a guy into that environment who was with the Giants when they hoisted up the Lombardi Trophy brings a lot of good energy, can really coach up these linebackers well, these talented young linebackers that we have, I think he would be the perfect candidate. Um, But yeah, it's definitely concerning. I mean, I wouldn't blame him for wanting to go back to uh, the Raiders. The, you know, he's from California. I think he's from Compton. He grew up a Raiders fan. I'm sure he's established a lot of connections already with these players. I mean, 
Max Crosby has advocated for him. Devontae Adams. He's got Spillane, who turned into a really good linebacker. So he's got a really interesting team to work with, especially if they keep Josh Jacobs. So it definitely does concern me uh, as a candidate for our defensive coordinator. But and, and I've told you this, Josh. I'm not sure if I've told you this, TJ. I, as a person, I was not really a big fan of him for a while. But after what I've seen him do with this Raiders team and what how he's handled himself in the media, I'm fully rooting for this guy right now, even if he doesn't end up with the Giants. Um, I wish him all the best. I just hope he doesn't become the Titans head coach because that organization, man, is such a joke. And, you know, whoever talks about the Vrabel firing, I'll be more than happy to chime in on my opinion. But to answer, to get back and to answer your question, definitely concerned that we won't have a uh, good opportunity to get him as our DC. But the minute he's disconnected from the Raiders, at least, I think you you can strike because I think, you know, for example, if it's us, um, if it's our DC opportunity versus the Titans head coaching job, to me, I think for him, that's a no brainer. Anything can happen. So get him away from the Raiders. And then I think we can, uh, we can start to get excited about bringing him back to MetLife. John Mara, you heard the man. You got to offer him up a nice little uh, paycheck. And, I'm sure and, and one more thing to throw in there that maybe will entice it. We did just hire a coach from his staff. Our offensive line coach did just come from Vegas. So Maybe there's a little bit more of a move behind that than we think. That is true. I did see that. That seemed like a very good hire, a much needed hire. O-line and special teams coach. I know you were begging for both of those to be replaced and half of the equation is already solved. But you mentioned something that I want to shift to a little bit. And you mentioned uh, Tennessee having a head coaching opening, and that's because they part ways with Mike Vrabel, which, like Pete Carroll, I guess this was also quite a surprise. And it seems like it's very obvious that he could go and get a head coaching job elsewhere, and that would be with his former team, the New England Patriots. But I saw earlier that, um, that they're looking at Gerard Mayo, and all they would need to do is just promote him because... I need to pull up the article. Uh, the Patriots created a succession plan. Gerard Mayo. This is this is per, uh, this is precedent. The Ravens did it with the GM. The Colts did it with Jim Caldwell, and the Seahawks did it with Jim Mora. So it is possible for them to bypass all the interviews and simply just promote Gerard Mayo to head coach. Which I mean, it seems like very. Patriot-esque as the way to replace Bill Belichick is going completely away from the standard. So what what are your thoughts on that? Anyone could uh, chime in. I think, listen, it's, they, I mean, the Patriots, they, you know, obviously they're a good franchise, but I think you should do your due diligence and especially a guy like Vrabel who played for New England. And the caliber coach of him. And listen, Gerard Mayo, same thing. I just want to add in. He was inducted to the Ring of Honor and was in the 
uh, Robert Kraft suite during a, the Titans bye week this year. So who knows? Maybe they were scheming something up. Not that I mean, variable obviously probably didn't imagine being um, jobless right now, but I think you should honestly listen if you want to promote Mayo, but still interview. I mean, you kind of know variable already, but like see kind of what his plans are. And I just like he's a really good coach. In, in fact, he's a great coach. What he's done in in I Tennessee messed up big time i'm saying that right now they messed up big time if you look at the candidates they're looking at for a head coach don't even compare to mike variable i mean mike kafka really you you fired mike variable to interview mike kafka you know and listen nothing against antonio pierce but same thing you fired mike variable to possibly bring in antonio pierce who only has how many games experience of head coach. So it's like, to me, it's like, all right, he had two losing seasons, but it was all the GM's fault. He traded away A.J. Brown. He, you know, Tannehill just got old and wasn't good anymore and hurt, you know, and then, all right, you draft Will Levis, um, but he's a rookie. You know, you're not seeing it through. Derrick Henry, like, is now older. So, like, he ripped away all the good young players, traded them away, and now it's like all these guys that were really good a couple years ago are like, I mean, listen, Derrick Henry still like was second in the league in rushing, so it's not like he's not doing well. He's just not. But now he's a free agent and he's gone. Now, exactly. So Evan Byard, just, they traded away to Philly. That's what it was. Yeah, I was Byard. You know, they cut a Dory Jackson a couple years ago. Um, you know, Desmond King, they got rid of a long time ago, who did well for them. So it's like. A lot of these guys that played well for them, they just got rid of. But Vrabel still made this team competitive. And when he had all those guys together, they were the number one seed competing in the AFC Championship. I don't know the last times, like before Vrabel, I don't even remember the last time Tennessee was even like relevant in the league. And he made them relevant. And now they're going to go back to not uh, to non-relevant relevancy because they got rid of him. Um, and then the funny thing with that is, they could have traded him like Sean Payton, uh, the Saints and Sean Payton, and got capital, um, you know, like draft capital and stuff back. But they didn't feel like being bothered in dealing with the hassle of doing that because they didn't want to miss out on good candidates. Well, clearly it didn't matter because you could have gotten Mike Kafka in, you know, at any point of the year. So, like, um, or guys like that, you know. And listen, not to bash on Mike Kafka, but it's just like, if that's... Listen, they're trying to interview like Jim Harbaugh, like, um, you know, Bill Belichick, actual legit guys. I understand. But for you to get rid of Vrabel and not even try to trade him to get stuff back. And he's a young guy. Like, he's probably younger than Kafka. Probably or around the same age. I I just, listen, they messed up. um, And whether, and that's why I think New England would be stupid not to interview him. Um, but listen, if they go with Ron Mayo, I mean, listen, they, they, they must feel confident in him. And I'm sure like, he's a great coach. He was a phenomenal player. He's got that Patriot way. He pretty much, I don't even know. He might've only played with the Pats unless if he signed somewhere else. Um, but I know he pretty much played there for most of his career, if not all of it. So 
and they know what's best for them. Um, and plus, listen, replacing Belichick's going to be tough regardless. I just, so I, like I said, I think they'd be stupid not to at least give Vrabel a chance. Uh, but I really think Titans, out of all teams that got rid of coaches, are this, are like, they made the wrong choice because, like, they just see it through. Like, all right, he's going to have a couple bad years. Like, a lot of coaches have a couple. You know, look at look at the Rams. They had that one bad year with McVay, and everyone you know puts McVay on a pedestal. But he needed he needed some guys back, and now already he's built them back. You know, not to a total powerhouse, but like he's got them playing some really good ball at the right time, um, with a lot of young guys. So and with I no think, draft picks too. With no draft, yeah. Somehow did it with no pick. Yeah, well, because they're they're a well run franchise. Clearly, the Titans are. You know, so. Um, so I really do think Titans messed up and they're gonna they're gonna pay the price and they're gonna regret that instantly. And maybe maybe they'll make me eat my words, they'll find someone, maybe they do hire Kafka and Kafka delivers them like five Super Bowls, but I, I just really don't see it coming. I feel like the Titans, whoever they hire this cycle is only gonna last another year. It's like it's gonna last a couple of years and then he's gonna be out and they're gonna be back in the cycle of trying to find a coach while they had one who was really good a great leader, understood football. And really, it's not like he was just a smart guy and a great leader. Like, he knew how to hand, like manage a game. He really, like, he really knew how to coach. And whoever hires him is going to get a really good coach. So, um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to see where he goes. Pretty much said everything I was going to say, Stevie. I mean, the, the even before going back to um, I mean, I guess the cutting of Dory Jackson was definitely a big thing, but I think when you really look at the Titans and the last few years and where it all went downhill was really trading AJ Brown. I think that's the, when the collapse really started, I don't know if you guys have seen the clip, but Vrabel was visibly upset in the draft room when they traded him. So like they already were disrespecting this guy to begin with. And then you fire him after you go ahead and and draft Will Levis. So good luck with his development going forward. I mean, no one's no one's really thinking. And I don't know if you mentioned this or not, Stevie, but yeah, he, he's had a couple bad years. But correct me if I'm wrong, weren't the Titans the number one seed a couple of years back? And that's what this guy did. So Yeah, I think Stevie mentioned that. I, so, you know, it, it's like all in all – you know, good luck to whoever inherits this mess. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but it, this job makes the Washington job a lot more appealing, which is really wild to say. But I mean, just just truly a, a joke of an organization. I, I think they're right up there with the Panthers at, at this rate. No, I, and listen, I will say this, that Washington job, because now Dan Snyder's gone, they have new GM, new leadership, and they got that number two overall pick. I'm telling you, I and they they have some guys on that team. I mean, granted, and they I, away. I think they're working. I think I saw this in a tweet. They're working with, if not the most cap space going into this offseason. I believe they are too. So, all right, yeah, they traded away Sweat. They traded away Chase Young. Uh, but you still got Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen. Offense, you still have... You know, the two running backs who are halfway decent. You got McLaurin, who's been a thousand yard guy. Um, there's pieces on that team. And you have the number two overall pick with new leadership. Like, I, t- to me, Washington 
is an intriguing job. Now, listen, Dan Snyder was still there, and they didn't have a number two overall pick, and they didn't have all that money. Yeah, I'd probably be like, hmm. But out of all the jobs out there, I think Washington's up there. And while Tennessee is just – Tennessee might be, like, dead last. You know, like you said, Carolina Over, and Tennessee. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, so who would you have as the – least you know what at least Carolina I know Bryce Young didn't do well but at least Bryce Young is like to me he was the number one overall overall pick um but then their but then their 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 GM got fired in their front office the owner is kind of a menace too so I don't know they're just they're, they're definitely the bottom two um because dude Tennessee bro like Derrick Henry's probably gonna be gone like Will Levis, Tannehill, like, I don't know. The receivers are like, eh. I mean, like, Traylon Burks has some potential, but he still hasn't figured it out. He's also been hurt a lot. He has too, yeah. He's been kind of injury prone. You know, defensively, you got Harold Landry, but besides that, like, who else do you really have? Like, you traded away Byers. So, like, at least least the Panthers have Brian Burns. Now it sounds like he might be gone, but at least technically you still have him. Um... You know, you have Jonathan Mingo, who showed some flashes. Thielen, you know, if you could try to get him to resign, was good. Um, you know, their O-line has some pieces. You know, you got Jeremy Chin. You got some of those young corners. Like, Carolina's got more pieces than Tennessee does. I really think, from a roster standpoint, Tennessee's going to be one of the worst in the league. I think they'll be picking high again next year. Um, Carolina, it's just their owners just like... Uh, David Tepper, right? He, you know, he's he's tough to deal with. Um, so and it seemed, and plus he's the one that like I think really pushed to draft Young, and then he fired, you know, the two guys that like Frank Reich in his defense wanted Shroud, he wanted Shroud, Shroud, Shroud was his guy, but Tepper wanted Bryce Young, and now Tepper gets to keep his job, but poor Frank Reich and the GM out, you know, like I'm sure the. The owner was like, whatever we do, let's try to get one of the top QBs, if not the top one. So he, the GM made the trade. Obviously, went in the Bears' favor. And then Frank Reich, because he wasn't getting the results, got fired. The GM got fired. But then David Tepper's fine. So I don't know if I want to go in a situation like that where it's like, well, you're pushing for all this, but then yet, like, when, when does some of this fall on you where, like, give these guys a chance? So I don't know. Uh, but... Yeah, between Carolina and Tennessee, I would not want to go anywhere near those teams because they're just they're a mess right now. So now we'll continue to follow these coaching changes. I'm sure we'll make some sort of post on Instagram because I'm sure there'll be some more names that come that sign between uh, this week and next week's episode. So make sure you check our Instagram to see if there's some big moves that happen the next week because now we got to get to this weekend's games, the teams that are still playing for Mr. Lombardi. We got super wild card weekend. I want to start with the game that I'm most excited for. And that is the Rams lions game. Got a bunch of reunions going on in that one. You got the lions hosting their first playoff game since 1993. I want to say 1993. Uh, but obviously they're facing the Rams and that's Stafford coming back home. You got Jared Goff facing against uh, Sean McVay, the guy who traded him away. So 
a lot of fun storylines. Castle, what are you looking forward to most in, uh, in that fun one? I just want to say before I give my opinion, I think the fact that they're banning the Stafford jerseys is just absolutely atrocious. No, I just thought that was uh, very funny. They think they did on the Pat McAfee show. Had to throw that in there. Um, You know, here's the thing. And I I was doing a survivor. I'm, I'm in a playoff survivor pool with some of my family members, and we were making our picks last night. And I picked the Lions. I have been a secondary Lions fan, I guess, if you will, since they've been featured on Hard Knocks. I like Campbell. I like a lot of their guys. Um, I just think they're a really fun and up-and-coming team to follow. However, I have this very crazy feeling that Stafford is going to show up and just ball the fuck out and upset the Lions at home. So I think it's going to be a great game. I don't think it's going to be a shootout, but I do think it's going to be close. I think the big key for, frankly, I think the big key for the Lions is going to be, is going to be uh, the Rams receiving game. I mean, you look, you look at that game a couple of weeks ago against the Cowboys and, and let's, let's, forget the whole fiasco with with the with the play at the end of the game their game planning for cd lamb was really really bad i mean it was just one-on-one the entire time and he was non-stop burning them i think he had over 200 receiving yards the entire game so you know aaron glenn has got to really really plan for puka and cup because if you're giving your D-backs number, uh, one-on-one matchups with these guys all game and you're not playing the zone, you're not getting creative, Stafford will have a field day. Yeah, they're the away team, but he's very familiar with this environment. It could be, it, in some ways, it could be to their advantage. So with that being said, even though I feel like Detroit is the more talented team, I think having Stafford with the Rams this time, their receiving core, how great Sean McVay is, I'm giving it to them. And, and I think it's going to be an upset in Detroit. I really do. I think both of these teams definitely are going to rely on their offense to try to get going. And the Rams have two young studs. Obviously, Puka Nakua, he broke every rookie record. Kyron Williams emerged out of nowhere. So they got a good running game. They got Obviously, Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua as two stud receivers. Stafford's playing some of his best ball right now. But neither team's defense really scares one another. So I'm hoping this game kind of is a shootout just because what better way for the whole Stafford coming back to Detroit storyline whether it comes down to a game-winning drive by Jared Goff, the current Lions quarterback, or Matt Stafford, the former Lions quarterback. So that's kind of what I'm hoping for. But I'm kind of up in the air as to who I want to see win that. Stevie, I want to turn to you because you're a little quiet, which is new to me, so I just want to make sure you're alive. I'm sure the game you're most excited for, the Cowboys and the Packers, 
big Jordan Love fan. How can the Packers go into Jerry's world and pull off the upset? I think they just have to continue just playing with the energy that they have been playing with. And I think the big thing, though, is Jordan Love not turning the ball over. I mean, he's been on an absolute tear lately. Um, the The young rookie receivers or just the young receivers in general have been playing like they've been pro bowlers for five years now. Um, but I think the big thing is Jordan Love not turning the ball over against Dallas's D who likes to force turnovers. So um, they can handle the pressure that Dallas will bring, especially with a guy like Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, um, you know, and he's not turning the ball over to a guy like Deron Bland. Then, yeah, um, I think they can. I mean, they're playing some of their best football right now at the right time. I think in reality that Giants lost on Monday night was a wake-up call. Um, and they've been dominant ever since. So, um, and Jordan Love, he just looks poised out there. So he's got to look the same way um, Sunday, right? Do they play Sunday or Saturday? I, I think, think, the think Sunday. Sunday. Sunday, yeah. I think Sunday, like 4, 15. Um, I'm checking for you right now, Stevie. Appreciate it, yeah. And then a guy like Aaron Jones, too, he needs, like, he... He shredded up the Cowboys one of the last times he played them. So, um, so he needs to have a big game, and and then the defense, the defense has to play like they've been playing. They cannot give up. You know, they can't play how they did against um, the Panthers. You know, the fact that the Panthers dropped like thirty points on them, and Bryce Young threw like the, his most amount of yards um, in his career against them, like. Or else Dallas, like C.D. Lamb, will shred them for 300 yards himself. But if if they, um, sorry, so the game definitely is Sunday. Um, yeah, Sunday at one o'clock. Sunday one o'clock, perfect. Um, but yeah, no, the defense needs to show up. Sorry, four thirty. It's the second. Uh, okay, four thirty. Four thirty. Four thirty. Yeah, that makes sense because it's in Dallas. So, um, but yeah, no, I think I think the defense is key of. Listen, obviously Dallas will score. Dallas will get yards. I'm not saying that, you know, they can't give up 20 points or whatever, but they can't be letting Dak throw for 500 yards, CD getting 250 on them. Um, And then the offense just has to continue to play turnover-free football. And, um, you know, I know Love did fumble against the Bears last week, but it didn't totally cost them because their defense stepped up, you know, now granted Dallas's offense is better than the bears. So Dallas might be able to capitalize on that. So that's why they got to limit the turnovers. But I think I really do. And I hate to say it, but I think green Bay has just have, does have a pretty good chance. Um, listen, Dallas is clicking too, but green Bay really is playing well. And like, there's not that many expect, usually there's high expectations on them because of Rogers. Um, and because they're usually a high seed, but because they just squeaked in its first year under Jordan Love, like everyone didn't expect them to be where they're at. So like they don't have the fact that they're here already is a plus for them. Um, so they don't have like a target on their back. They don't have them really expectations. Like if they lose this week, no one will um be surprised. But and that's when you're the most dangerous when you can just play free, you know. And I think that's think about how much pressure is on Dallas this year. Exactly, especially that they just won the division out too, you know. So there's there's a lot of pressure on them, and they usually seem to choke away in the playoffs. So, um, but I really do think it will be a good game, regardless, though. But yeah, that's I think my and I know 
may seem kind of like generic, like, oh, you got to play good offense and defense. But I really do think the key is for the defense to just limit the big plays and the offense to really not turn the ball over multiple times. You know, if you turn it over once, whatever, but you know, that Dallas D can, we see like they can force multiple turnovers and, and score off them real quick. So yeah, I think that's the biggest part is the scoring, whether yeah. it's a pick six fumble for a touchdown or even uh, giving short field to Dak and allowing that offense to score. That's what you can't have. Cause if you turn it over, whatever, like you don't want, obviously want to turn it over, but if you force a quick three and out, then that's not going to kill you. But it's those points. Deron Bland, I think, had five, four or five pick sixes this year, a record. Which yeah, he, he had nine. Five. He had nine picks on the year. Yeah, That's nine picks and and five uh five of which were pick sixes. So he has that uh, home run ability to go to the house and change a ball game with one play. So I want to get to TJ because we haven't heard from him in a bit. And I mean, we could talk about all the other games, the Bills, Steelers. That kind of seems like a wash. I'll let you pick between the other remaining games, like which one excites you the most and something like to, to watch for. Uh, just as, as an honorable mention, I'm, I'm excited for this game, but not as excited for the next game. Um, Mike McDaniel and the Miami dolphins are marching their way into Kansas city where the wind shows gonna be minus 30. And, you know, Tyreek Hill is going against his former team. It's going to be fun. But I think the game I'm most looking forward to is C.J. Stroud and the Texans going up against Deshaun Watson, even though I don't think he's playing, and the Cleveland Browns. Now, it's it's one of those... We traded you away and look what we have now type of scenarios. And I think arguably CJ Stroud is a much better fit. Yes. How can I forget Joe Flacco? God damn it. Um, Yeah. It's Joe, Joe Flacco who has seemed to turn back father time and, or has beaten father time away for, for uh, what seems like for right now. I think it's going to be a great game. Both teams have pretty explosive offenses if you're given the opportunity. Uh, CJ Stroud can move all over the pocket. He can escape if he needs to. He's got the arm talent. And then there's Joe Flacco, who is an established veteran who doesn't have the mobility he once did, but he's still able to get out of the pocket if he needs to, get the ball out, throw it away, dump it off to a check down so on so forth and i think the the biggest thing for me is watching cj stroud go up against the cleveland defense who has shown really really bright spots throughout the season they i don't i don't have stats off the top of my head because because i'm talking here but the the browns were were up there if i remember correctly in terms of overall defense, whether it be pressures, whether it be takeaways, turnovers, so on and so forth. I know I know they came to life a game against the Steelers, right? One of you correct me. Either if not, no worries. Like I think the cool. Yeah, sweet. The Browns just have a few defensive studs on their team. And oh, 
Sorry, I got some Juan Soto news. Um, I think the the Brown the Browns, if their defense is as stout and as solid as it has shown at most points in this season. Yeah, see, there we go. Five straight games with an interception heading into this game. So it's going to be fun to see C.J. Stroud kind of pick apart this defense if he can. And on the other end, it's more so how will Joe Flacco and company respond on their side of the ball when both or when the defense for the Cleveland Browns is off the field? How will they do? How will the offense do? How will the defense do? I think it it could be an offensive shootout. Or it could be a really defensive game from both sides. I I don't know. I think out of all the matchups, I'd probably put this at number three. It's not like the most exciting. It's not the kind of, oh, it's going to be a boring game. It's kind of one of those, who knows how this game is going to go. Let's watch it and find out. I think I think overall, that's that's at least how I'm looking at it. I know they're I know the Texans would be a lot more fun with Tank Dell, but obviously Or the Brown or the see, that's what I wanted to touch on touch upon after. Look at on both sides. Browns without Nick Chubb. Browns without Nick Chubb and Deshaun Watson. This would have been a homecoming for him. Uh, you mentioned Tank Dell. So the big matchup really is how the Texans will be able to limit slash shut down Mari Cooper because I need to pull up the stats now because I know his last few games, he ended the year on a very, very scorching hot uh, pace. So he's got a hot hand and the secondary of the Texans is very strong. Derek Stingley has had a very good uh, bounce back sophomore year. I think he had four or five interceptions. Steven Nelson, I believe, is their other cornerback. Uh, Jalen Petrie, they're they're really strong secondary. And D'Amico Ryan's it. Versus Kevin Stefanski, I think people are going to say that that's the one and two for coach of the year. Here, I got you, at least with the last game he played against the Texans. He had 11 receptions for 265 yards and two touchdowns. There you go. So it, it's, it's going to be an Amari, Amari Cooper, Joe Flacco against this t- uh, Texans defense. But man, oh man, will it be fun to see if they can contain him. But it's also interesting, like this is a playoff game and you have the rookie CJ Stroud, who is on a historic, had a historic year, was the first rookie ever to lead the league in a touchdown to interception ratio, threw for over 4,000 yards. Then you have Joe Flacco straight off the couch and has done nothing but average 300 yards passing. And with how banged up this Browns team is, O line, receivers, running back making something out of nothing. And I really, this game could go either way. And I am excited to see how this one takes place because this will be a fun one. You said this is like your third favorite, but frankly, this might be my first or second because this one is going to be a really, really good football game. It's definitely my, I, I think, I think, this is my favorite right after the Detroit game. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't really get too hyped on rookie quarterbacks that much, but there's just some swagger about Stroud. Aside from him 
like playing up to the hype. There's just some swagger about him that I love. And I really, really love uh, D'Amico Ryan. So I definitely think that they're going to give Cleveland more of a hard time than people expect. And also I will go back and look at the tweet to clarify, but Cleveland could be without a big piece for their defense. I think uh, Denzel Ward is questionable or he hurt his knee, got hurt in practice today. I thought I it said, I thought it said he was good to go. All right, I'll do a little digging, but regardless, I think this is probably the my favorite game and then maybe the Detroit game follows after. So I it, it, it's just a great like you guys have been stating already. The rookie versus the vet. It's just such a such a fun matchup. All right. So I'll let you go look for the tweet to clarify. Stevie, who do you give the edge to in a in a playoff game? The rookie at home who just is coming off a very solid rookie campaign, a historic rookie campaign, or the vet who's been here before, who has a Super Bowl MVP under his belt, straight off the couch and is playing his best football at the right time. In most cases, you would say the veteran. But kind of like Castle's been saying, there's just something different about Shroud that, like, in this Texans team, um, like they just they do just, like, play with swagger. And D'Amico Ryan's, like, he just got them flying around, playing well. But Shroud doesn't play like a rookie, though. That's the thing. So even though he's labeled as a rookie, he doesn't make the mistakes that a lot of not only rookie quarterbacks make, but even like especially this year, the quarterbacks, a lot of them like Mahomes, Allen, they they turn the ball over a lot. And that's the one thing Shroud didn't do. He made wise um, decisions and he didn't totally force things. And if he did force things, he just had like, good accuracy you know he just made like he was able to make those throws um and look at the game look at Deshaun Watson I forgot um or like not even Deshaun Watson I mean Deshaun Watson did I forgot if it was his rookie or second year like you know he he led that comeback and led the Texans to a win but look at a guy like Russell Wilson his rookie year you know he kind of put the Seahawks on a run and then like the next year or so they won the Super Bowl so to me like what Shroud's played in big games before. I mean, pretty much last week was almost like a playoff game. It was like winning in, and he went into Indy and and beat them. Um, and he beat them because it wasn't like, I mean, Devin Singletary didn't like carry them to that game. You know, their defense played well, but they didn't like really force like they didn't get pick sixes or anything like that. Like Shroud had that first play, boom, seventy five yard touchdown to Nico Collins. So like to me. As much as, like, yeah, you want to see Flacco and the Browns, I don't know. I think at home and Shroud, like, Shroud's just composed. Like, you know, he's been through a lot um, just in his life, his football career. So it usually seems like the odds are always stacked against him, and he always seems to pull out, um, you know, and, and be on top kind of. So I, I like Shroud and Houston's chances because I think he's got the right mentality. I think he's got the right attitude and um and he's definitely like he's made of iron because like it's easy to 
like get him under pressure and for him to break because he really doesn't um going back from his Ohio State days and and listen you can say well he didn't beat Michigan he didn't and not to bring his whole college career up but I mean he went toe to toe with Georgia last year you know he won that game last week winning in how come he can't beat Cleveland at home you know he led them to a division title like how come he can't beat Cleveland at home I think he can so you know in this case I I will take the rookie and I'll take Shroud because. I think this dude's a dog. He's legit. And I don't even want to classify him as, as a rookie because he's, I think, way, he's playing way beyond his years. So, and even if he doesn't perform well, then you know what? <laughs> you still can't knock him because he still had a hell of a season. So, um, and I can't think of a game where he really, it might have been one game where he was like, ooh, yeah, he looks like a rookie. But for most games, he didn't. He did have. Like, he did. He did have one bad game. I forget who who was against. I can like look. Three or four picks. Three right? interceptions. Because I remember after the game, he had a quote that said, "Um, that yeah, he's just uh like Steph Curry or he's or like Kobe. I'm just gonna keep shooting, basically implying exactly. like how most people are saying. Oh, I need to be care. I need to take care of the ball. It was interesting that he said, "Oh, I'm just gonna keep letting it, uh, letting it fly." Yeah, he's gonna it was, keep. It was the game going. against Arizona. He had three picks. That's what it was. Yeah. So, but look at it. He's he didn't let that game define him. And that again, that just goes back to his mentality and his his passion for the game. So no, yeah, I, I'm to just wrap things up. I'm I'll take Shroud. And I, like you said, I'm excited for that game. I'm excited for the Detroit game, Dallas game. I think there's there is a lot of good. Um, there are a lot of good first wild card games. Um, that. You know, should be. I hope we're close. I really hope there's not too many blowouts. Um, especially like one, no one really enjoys blowouts unless if it's your team. But two, especially playoff football, like we want good games that come right down to the wire. So I think I think we should. And since Stevie likes to talk, and it takes a while, because he rants, Castle was able to find out that Denzel Ward was listed as questionable with a knee injury, but is optimistic that he will play. So that is a good. That is good news for the Browns cornerback. So we want to thank you all the listeners for listening, wrapping up uh, this first episode of the ninth season. It's crazy, nine seasons, and we never get tired of this. We enjoy doing it. We're going to keep doing it for you, the listeners. TJ Hamill, man of many hats, thank you, as always, creating some great content on our Instagram, at the 3P Podcast, so make sure you check that out. Give us some likes. TJ works hard at it. Basically, he's considering quitting his uh, full-time job and sticking to creating content on her Instagram. Um, But yeah, so thank you all for listening and uh, have a great night.